From the game gurus at Snakes and Lattes, you're listening to the Snakes Cast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Welcome to the Snakes Cast, everybody. I'm Jonathan Moriarty. With me this week are my fellow game gurus, Thomas Burton. Hi. And Maddie McLean. Hey. And we're going to be doing a genre spotlight this week. We're going to talk about a genre of games called Worker Placement. Now, you've heard us mention this a couple times, uh, once in our episode about Euro games, and it's one of the most popular styles of European game out there. The basic idea with a worker placement game is this. You've got a board, and on this board there are spaces, and each player has some workers. They might be spaceships or cavemen or whatever, and on your turn you're going to take one of these workers and you're going to put it on a space, and you get to do what it says on that space. And the next person puts a worker down that does what it says on that space, and so on, until everybody's out of workers, and the workers all come home, and that's the end of the round. What makes it appropriate for Euro games is the fact that once I've gone on a particular space, nobody else can go there. And it's that sort of indirect interaction that's the hallmark of European-style game design. It means you get to sort of block the other players, but you can't directly attack them, which is sort of what you're going for with that. Now, this started with a game called Kalos back in 2005. It built up steam with Pillars of the Earth, Stone Age, Agricola, and now it's everywhere, including Sneaky Awards Game of the Year for 2012, Lords of Waterdeep. Guys, um, what was all the fuss about Kalos? Why was it such a splash when it came out? Well, I think it's got to do with what you just said. You know, it's a mechanic that is super appropriate for Euro games. And the thing, uh, I was reading some interviews with William Atia, the designer of Kalos, from the time when it came out. Mm -hmm. um, and also Uwe Rosenberg, who designed Agricola, and is famous for how much he loves Kalos. Mm. Um, and the thing is, like, from the impression I got from those interviews, it's that it's the kind of game that game designers really liked. <laughs> like, people saw it at Essen and they were like, oh, this is, a, a, like, an interesting style of game that I haven't seen before. Um, so, yeah, I think it kind of just, like, hit that target audience, you know, that BGG gamer, game designer kind of audience really well. So, Maddie, when, when Kalos came out, did it uh, did it make a big splash with you as well? I mean, I remember on BoardGameGeek.com, there were all these lists. You know the Chuck Norris thing? Uh, they, they, they did that with Kalos. You know, Kalos cures <laughs> cancer. And, uh, and on, the, on the seventh day, God made Kalos. Were you all that impressed with this thing when it came out at the time? Do you remember anything? Uh, well, my secret shame is that I actually didn't get into board gaming until about two or three years ago. Goodness gracious. I know. I'm, I'm terrible. <laughs> no, uh... But one of the first games my friends actually introduced me to as part of the guild I'm in right now is Kalos. And uh, I only got to play it a couple times, but I just remember having these specific little things. And as someone who's very strategically minded, I really loved the idea of blocking other people. And being, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm definitely a fan of the Screw You games. <laughs> Not something you get to do all that much in a lot of Euro games, but worker placement does definitely sort of give that. It, it does feed that part of me that likes to make other people suffer. So, yeah. I, I, mean, I guess you might have had a particular love for the provost. No. Oh my god, the provost? I'm not sure how I feel about that mechanic. <laughs> uh, can, can you explain for our audience what the deal is with the provost? So, it, it's been a while since I played Chaos, but from what I remember, it's that you've got kind of like a, tr a road of buildings leading out from the castle. And, and those are the spaces where you can put your workers. Exactly, mm -hmm. and that road gets longer, and there's a provost, like a little block, a little inspector man, who you move around that, and you can't uh, play on any of the buildings past him, right? <laughs> yes. Um, and players can move that so that they can just screw you out of using a spot that you really want to use. The reason I'm not great sure if I'm fond of it is that 
it's really only a screw you thing. There's not a ton of benefit to the player moving the provost other than now somebody else isn't going to move it to screw them over. What a shame. I'm going to say I'm a vindictive. big fan of the provost. <laughs> And I say this as someone who loves vindictive games. <laughs> wow. That is a seriously mean little wooden disc. All right, so what are uh, some of your favorite worker placement games? Which ones do you guys like the best? Uh, I guess I'll start. Uh, my f all-time favorite worker placement game is probably Alien Frontiers. Hmm. Um, that, was a kick that was one of the first big Kickstarter successes, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, and now, uh, you know, it's in mass production. It's super popular. I believe it's in the top 100 on Board Game Geek. I could be wrong about that, though. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, and so the thing about Alien Frontiers is that it's a worker placement game, but your workers are dice. So every turn, uh, you roll the dice, and different spots on the board require different types of dice. So that kind of determines what you're allowed to do. The other big difference between other worker placement games is that, like uh, Jonathan said, normally you place one worker at a time and it kind of goes around in a circle. In Alien Frontiers, you place all your workers and resolve them how you, how you like. And then those spaces stay blocked until it comes around to your turn again. Absolutely. So the thing I like about it is that I feel that worker placement can be a bit of an optimization puzzle sometimes. Mm -hmm. I can see everything I can do. What's the best route? The randomness of the dice allows uh, that to get kind of turned on its head a little bit. Takes some of the pressure off too, I guess. Yeah. You face different situations. Uh, Maddie, got any favorites? I was actually going to say Alien Frontiers as well. It was actually one of the first games I learned how to play at Snakes. So it, had, it holds a special place in my heart. But uh, yeah, I just really like the idea of the randomness that doesn't come from like the cards or other people's actions. It's a randomness of the dice that tells you what you can and can't do. And the alien tech cards also really add an extra dimension to it as well. That's Absolutely. One of the things you can do in Alien Frontiers is you can buy these alien tech cards which allow you to change your dice or knock the other people's dice out so that you can use their space or uh, steal other players' things or get extra resources. And they're different every time you play the game. So the and, and, and buying them becomes a really big deal. The I mean, question of how when can you afford these and when can you use them and fueling them also becomes a big deal. Uh, it also has this cool area majority thing with that. With, yeah, I was going to say that too. Yeah, the goal ultimately is to put these colonies on the planet, so you're controlling areas and stuff like something like Risk or something. But you don't actually fight each other, at least not directly. The uh, the, the other one that uh, that I, that I think has been really popular at Snakes and Lattes, of course, was Lords of Waterdeep, and uh, the big deal there, I think, was its accessibility. Yeah. The fact that it's so easy. Just to, you, you, you look at the board and it seems like there's a lot of stuff there, but as soon as you start playing, that stuff that's on there makes it really clear how it works. It makes it easy to get going. Um, they start you off with a couple of quest cards. It's like, okay, so from, here's, here, here's a goal. Here's something I'm trying to do. What I need to do is collect this, this, and this. If you can collect those things, there you go. You're on your way. So it provides really clear direction, maybe even more so than Alien Frontiers, which is a bit more wide open. Uh, the other worker placement game I'm into right now is the one that's the new hotness among the Snakes staff. Mm -hmm. uh, it's actually the new game from the designer of Kalos. It's called Spirium. Right. Um, and I haven't had the chance to try Spirium yet. It was a big Gen Con release. What, uh, what's that like? Well, it's weird. It's not like your typical worker placement game. Uh, what you've got is um, you have a grid of cards, three by three, mm -hmm. and you've got your workers. Players place them in the alleyways between the cards. Um, and each player kind of has a placement phase, and then on your own terms, you can go into a removal phase where you start taking your workers off the board. Oh. When you take a worker off the board, you can either 
uh, do what one of the cards next to it lets it do, so, you know, you can buy a building or you can get points or whatever. But the cost of doing that action is increased by how many other workers are around that card. The really interesting part is that if you don't want to do one of those actions, you can take uh, your worker back and get money equal to how many workers are around that card. So putting a so if there's one card that everybody wants, it gets really expensive, but it also becomes a really good source of income. So it's the kind of question, do I want to make money for later, or do I want to spend a lot of money because I really need to do this thing? That is classic Euro design right there. Yeah. <laughs> that risk-reward thing. It's very, very good. The, uh, the other one, of course, that we have to mention is the, uh, the heavyweight champion of, uh, of worker placement games, Agricola. The game that, for me at least, fired Kalis. I mean, it's like I, I can't imagine why you would want to play Kalis in a world where Agricola exists. I can. <laughs> I was going to say Agricola. It's it's it's, it's well, you're, 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 the theme is different. Obviously, you're a subsistence farmer in the Dark Ages, but uh, those those cards, though those uh, those profession cards and minor improvement cards, provide so much more variety. Um, you, can, you can play the family game where it's more straight up. It's basically Farmville for Mr. Spock, but. Um, but it's cute, you know, you've got the little sheep, you've got the little cows, you're breeding stuff, you're sowing crops. It's all very nice and very friendly, and there's no provost to mess you up. But there's still the standard sort of douchery that comes along with blocking the other players from getting the things that they want to get. Why, seriously, why do I need Kalis when I have Agricola? Tell me on this. Um, I'll sell you on it. First of all, I really don't like how the cards work in Agricola. <laughs> I think they're distracting and overly specific okay. in what they do. But for me, the, the actual most interesting part of Kalos is not the worker placement element itself. It's the fact that to use a worker, you also have to spend a dollar. Mm. Um, and once one player passes, now the cost for using workers is more mm. because your labor force has shrunk. Um, and I'm actually really shocked that's not the thing that people uh, took up when Kalos came out. That wasn't what impressed them. It was instead the actions are on the board and you use them. Uh, so, and Agricola doesn't have that, which I think is silly. Are there any other worker placement games that have that you can think of? Not really, actually. That's interesting. I wonder if they're going to sort of take that up. And there are some other bit more exotic worker placement games out there. There was Tzolkin, the Mayan calendar. Did you guys play that one? No, but I really want to. It's, it's the one with the big giant plastic gears on the board, and the, they turn, you put your workers on them, and the gears turn, and the thing that your worker does keeps changing, turn after turn after turn, you eventually need to get it back, though. Uh, there was Carson City, which was a western sort of thing, where you can actually do a gunfight against another player's piece to kick them off the spot if you want to use it. I don't know if that destroys or makes the worker placement mechanic. I'm not sure which, uh, which is better. Um, uh, I think earlier you were talking about the Manhattan Project, Matty. That's the one where you've got three different types of workers. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting because like, you can only have so much you can do. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, only certain people get benefits from certain places. So you mm -hmm. can put them elsewhere, I believe. But there's always the mechanic of, all right, what can I do to optimize? Yeah, where, where am I going to use my engineers? Where am I going to use my scientists? Mm -hmm. So what kind of player enjoys worker placement. I mean, you guys are game gurus. When you're going to go and recommend something, how do you know who is going to enjoy a worker placement game and who it's really not for? Well, I wouldn't go around to every table and give them a brickle. That's for, <laughs> that's for sure. It's pretty complicated, that one. But, I don't know. I think a lot of it has to do with um, players who tend to like 
uh, long-term strategy mm -hmm. over short-term tactics. Worker placement games tend to be about charting your path through the different actions. Okay, I'm gonna get these cubes and then I'm gonna use them to do this and then I'm gonna use them to do that. Um, because the in interaction is so, is so indirect, you can usually um, plan out your actions ahead. So players who like other games that have to do with planning several moves ahead, I think tend to like working placement games. Yeah, the ones who like mm -hmm. to sort of see a plan come to fruition. Yeah. So where do you think this genre is going? I mean, you, it's, it's obviously would be nice to see that bit from Kalos make a comeback somewhere, but uh, do, you, do you sort of imagine this becoming uh, sort of a mechanic that gets used as a side thing on, uh, on a bigger game, or do, you, or do you see this being mostly something that games are going to be focused exclusively on? I think a game that has worker placement generally benefits most from having it be a very finely tuned worker placement game. Mm rather than trying to add too much, but I look forward to seeing other other uh, elements being brought in. I definitely think that's going to be a part of what we're going to see in the future. What do you think, Thomas? I actually kind of disagree. I think it works best, I, like when I think of my favorite worker placement game, Alien Frontiers, the worker placement is actually in service of an area majority thing. I, I like it best when it kind of mixes in with other stuff. And I think in terms of like straight worker placement, I mean, we have Lords of Waterdeep, we have Kalos, we have Agricola, we have Lahab. We have a lot of straight worker placement games that are extremely popular and do it really well. I don't see a need to explore that space as much as kind of going out there and trying to combine them in interesting different ways. Well, that's it for worker placement then. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed this little introduction to that genre. Come on down to Snakes and Lattes and we'll teach you how to play some of these things. Till then, I'm Jonathan Moriarty with Maddie McLean and Thomas Burton. Game on. Thanks for listening. But before we go, an announcement. In the neon-lit future of 2013, a card game returns, cybernetically enhanced and critically acclaimed. Android Netrunner is a modern reinvention of a Richard Garfield classic. The plugged-in tour is a mobile series of tournaments put on by the Fantasy Flight Games Corporation, a chance for fledgling runners to make it big. Snakes and Lattes is proud to host the Downtown Toronto Exhibition on October 10th. Get your tickets at snakesandlattes.com. Until then, this is P.T. Douglas. Game on.